to 23. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. All right, grab a seat. Uh, this is God's word. Thank you to God for your word. Yeah, let's, let's pray and then jump right into this text. Let me, uh, let me pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your love for us. We thank you for your word. Uh, we thank you that, um, that you've given it to us uh, for, uh, for your glory and for our good. And I pray, Jesus, as we go through this text, as we walk through this, this book, Ecclesiastes, and, and begin to see some of the things that you're saying to us through this, uh, this amazing text, Lord, open our hearts, our minds, uh, give us your spirit to, to guide our hearts towards you, towards what you have in store for us uh, this day. And so I just pray for this church. I pray that uh, we will prepare our hearts now to hear uh, from you and what you have in store. In Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, uh, we've got our kids here today, right? Kids are here in the gathering. So we're going to be paying attention, right? Cruise, right? Taking notes. Have you guys all been to Science World? You know that big ball in Vancouver? Yeah, you've been to Science World before. And it's a really interactive place, is it not? Like you parents, you've been there too. You know, you ride the bike and see how fast you can go. You, you roll the, the wheelchair, all that kind of stuff. I remember going to Science World a couple years ago and they had this one room that was dedicated to just the blocks. Like it was little rectangle blocks and you were to build a foundation with these blocks and then to build a tower. Uh, my kids made me remember this. And we, we would build a tower as high as we could reach. And so our towers were pretty big. And there was one kid, I remember this one kid's uh, tower was, was huge. He's like on the shoulders of his dad and he's still putting blocks on the top. It was massive. And the crazy thing is you have to leave, right? You have to leave that room and you go into the next rooms. And the crazy thing is that there's always a kid, right? There's always a kid that runs through that tower and just crumbles it. This is our text today. This is our text today. Science world blocks, breaking those blocks. And the underlying message of our passage this morning is control and responsibility. Control and responsibility. That's the underlying and undergirding. Let me read uh, verse 18 and 19 again for us. Just take a look at whether it's in your Bibles or on the screen. I'm not sure if it's on the screen, but maybe in your Bibles. Verse 18, it says again, I hated, I hated all my toil. I hated building that huge blocks in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. See, kids, when you lend one of your toys to a friend, oftentimes you worry about getting that toy back, right? 
You lend a toy to your friend, you worry about getting a toy back. Well, guess what? Your parents are the same. They lend tools or things to their friends, and they worry about getting that back. We have something called insurance, right, to stop this evil, right? This is a a big thing, right? We worry about these things. We are also busy controlling things we think we have control over. We worry about controlling things that we think we have control over, but we are also busy with responsibility. Like responsibility is something that is gifted to you. Like you say, and maybe your mom or dad have said, I give, I'm giving you this responsibility. It's a gift. Responsibility is a gift to you, and responsibility is something you have been given. So you have a choice what you do with the responsibility you were given. You have a choice there. So you can either ignore the responsibility you were given, or you could be that person that is overly responsible, thinking you are responsible for everything. Any first children here? Yeah, you tend to be responsible for everything. I called my son, who's my oldest, the hall monitor, right? Everything, he was responsible. He, he literally tried to rule the whole house, and he was only five. He was the hall monitor in our family. He, he knew every single rule that we established, and he made sure that everybody followed it. He was, he was taking responsibility that he was not respon- given the responsibility for. See, the preacher king of the world... Under the sun, Solomon, the writer of our text today, is, is the coming together, gathering his people and pre- presenting this wisdom. And he himself is being awakened to the lack of control he has and what responsibility then looks like if he has less control he originally thought he had. Less control that he originally thought he had. See, this is a big portion of wrestle as we toil in this world, in our families. Like, think about your families in this world and also in our church today. So today I want to look at what responsibility is ours. What is our responsibility? And also what is God's responsibility? So before we get into that, let me share a quick review of what the text is saying. So we're going to go verse by verse through the text, get a quick overview of what, the ver- what, the, what this is saying, and then we're going to do a little counseling, group counseling for our man Solomon. All right, sound good? All right, so here are the the quick points uh, for us as we go through this. So a quick outline for this morning is two problems, two results, two redeeming factors, and then two choices. So two problems bring out two results, and then we're going to have two redeeming factors, this side of heaven or this side of the cross, looking back, and then two choices. So the big idea, again. So the big idea, all your toil, all your hard work, your labor, your arborous work, All your toil is vanity and brings unhappiness. Whew. It's good news, right? All your toil, everything you work on under the sun is just bringing you to unhappiness. So there are two major problems here and that the preacher king reveals in this text when it comes to work and two results from those problems. So let's, take, let's tackle those two problems really quickly. Look again at verse 18 and 19. It says right there, this is your number one problem. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master, he'll be master of all my toil, for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. See, the problem, all my hard labor will go to another, and the one receiving these things might be a fool. Might be that kid just running through the blocks at Science World. 
I worked hard on this, and yet someone is just going to break it down. This is the first problem. See, and we all have, and you can hear all, obviously, let's backtrack a little bit. You can actually hear in this text, you can hear the worry of Solomon. You can hear the anxiousness of him having to hand over the work, handing over the toil over to someone else in this text. And are we, think about it, are we any different? Think the work that you put in. Like I worked in my yard yesterday for a couple hours. And one day we're going to have to sell this home and someone else might actually do completely different. Like I did to the person before me. They built these massive koi ponds and I filled them in. Right? I filled them in. So we're no different here. We carry worries and anxieties of things in the future that we have zero control over. Think about it. All your work that you're doing right now, zero control over the result. So this big idea that Solomon is getting at is the first problem, no matter how wealthy, how skilled, how knowledgeable. Remember, this is all the things that he's going after in the first two chapters. Your knowledge, your wisdom, and your wealth, and your skill, and your toil will go to someone else. Your toil will go to someone else. The second problem is in verse 22. It says, what has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? Solomon is realizing that all his toil producing, is producing no eternal gain for himself. So all my work that I do has to go to someone else. And secondly, all my work has zero gain. Has zero gain. There's no eternal gratification. The results of are unfortunately as bad as the two problems. The results aren't fun to hear either. So the two problems, and now here, let's hear the results as we file through this really quickly. So the results of these two problems are found in verse 20. It says, So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. And verse 21 is really key. Make sure you look at it, and we're going to come back to it. It says, because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. So the first result, the result of knowing your work is going to another, your heart, your inner man, your inner man is going to go to despair. Your inner man is going to go to, to despair. When you start realizing that all your hard work is going to another, which could be wise or fool, your heart will go to despair. That's the result of that first problem. Look at verse 23. It says, this is the second one. For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. So no matter how wealthy, how skilled, how knowledgeable, the first problem, your toil will go to someone else. And all the toil that man works for accounts for nothing. So those first two problems. But a heart is given to despair and sorrow and unrest. Wow. This is what Solomon is finding under the sun. So there's the quick outline of the passage. The big idea, again, is all toil is vanity and brings unhappiness. It brings unhappiness. So there's the quick outline of the passage. The big idea, again, is that, that all toil is, is vanity and brings unhappiness. But we can't just be satisfied with this. We have to look a little deeper. And the word is here for us to discover something greater. And this is where we get into counseling our friend Solomon. 
and walking alongside and coming beside him and helping him see something that he's missing. And maybe, just maybe, some of you are here that need the same counsel. That's the beauty of group counseling, of Sunday mornings, when we hear the word preached, let, it, let the word be the counselor. And so what is he missing here? Well, what he's missing is, is control and responsibility. He's realizing his obedience is missing and his trust in the Lord. See, if we just fell short on descriptions, we would know how to describe the preacher king. He is, he is in despair. But despair is a massive elastic word, right? Like if I say I'm in despair and someone else says I'm in despair, five other people actually say they are in despair, each one of them might come with a result underneath that description might be something else. So that's just a descriptor word, despair. And so what's underneath that descriptor word? Because it could be control, it could be comfort, it could be isolation, it could be fear of man, it could be self-worship. That's why I'm despairing. See, the inner man is something going on inside. The outer man is response is despair. So Solomon is despairing outwardly. But what is he despairing over? Well, I believe he's despairing over the lack of control he has in the next stage of life. See, there are words that describe an array of things, but it's what's underneath the description we must go. The underbelly of this, this description is the idea that the preacher king wants to control his environment. He realizes he can't, so he pouts. He expresses his discomfort of not controlling things with despair. And we can see this in verse 18, if you take a look. In verse 18, it says, Seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me, and who knows whether he will be wise or a fool. He is trying to control his environment just like you and I try. Like we try to control our environment constantly. And the outward man will respond with despair. Or again in verse 21 it says, Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. Again, sounds like a control issue. There's something going on in here in Solomon and we're seeing the reaction to that, something that's going on inside of him. So how do we help Solomon, but also you and I, as we lack this control of what's going on inside of our inner man? Well, number one, the biggest redeeming factor is that we need to help one another. We need to help Solomon. We need to come alongside Solomon and one another that God is the one that's in control. That God is in control. Take a look at Nehemiah 9.6 on the screen. We're going to file through five or six verses really quickly. 9.6 says, You are the Lord, you alone. You have made heaven, the heaven of heavens, with all their host, the earth and all that is on it, the seas and all that is in them, and you preserve all of them. And the host of heaven worships you. Hebrews 1.3, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God the Father and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Crazy. Acts 17, 28. In him, in Jesus, we live and move and have our being. And go back to Job, it says, or Ephesians 1, 1, 11. It says, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him, who works all things according to the counsel of his will. He's in control. 
Hebrews 2.8, now in putting everything in subjection to him. Think about that. Everything in subjection to Jesus. He left nothing outside his control. In Job 34, this is a powerful statement. If God, if God should set his heart to it and gather to himself spirit, this, his spirit and his breath, man's spirit and breath, Remember in the creation, God created man and he breathed life into him. Every one of us have the, the breath of God in us. And if God should set his heart to it and gather to himself his spirit and his breath, all flesh would perish together and man would return to dust. Colossians 1, 6, 16 says, for, for by him all things were created, were in the all part. All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. We need to remind Solomon, we need to remind ourselves that God is in control. He's the one. See, we stumble, we grope around, we fall. This is what we do. So we help Solomon and one another remember God is in control and he rules and reigns. He rules and reigns. We also help Solomon and remember he too has a responsibility. He has a responsibility. The responsibility Solomon has, we have also to abide in the Lord and to trust him. To trust him with the things that are outside of our reach, abilities and control, but do the work he has given us to do. Remember, I've, I've mentioned a couple of times as I've gone through this text, that 1 Kings 3 is what Solomon prayed to God, and God ended that request answered prayer with, if you follow my commandments, I will la even lengthen your days. If you follow my commandments. See, he's been given a responsibility to follow God, to follow him, to, to abide in him. And we have the same call when Jesus says, abide in me. Or in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 and 29, such a great verse. And we read it this morning at 9.15 as we prayed together. And it says, come to me, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest, an active rest. Because the next line says this, take my yoke upon you. That's active. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Again, active, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. There's an action steps here for all of us. Ephesians 2.10, also filled with action, it says, for we are his workmanship, church. We're his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, God has prepared things for you and I to do. As we counsel Solomon, we're reminding one of another as well. God has created you as a workman of him to, to do the works that he's created us before time even existed. See, there's calls also to go and make disciples of all nations. You've heard that one. Then to Matthew 20, 28. To live as an evangelist. There are calls to love your neighbor and your enemy. There's calls of, in Romans chapter 12, verse 9 through 20, of markers of, of a Christian to show hospitality. So these are all responsibilities that are ours to fulfill, to accomplish, to work at. 
So Solomon in our text is sorrowful because he has lost sight of obedience and trust. He's lost sight of the obedience to walk with God and to trust him with the things that he's out of control on. The toil that he's worked on to pass on to another. Instead of looking to God, he's looking to himself. And I wonder at times if we have done the same. If we look to ourselves for the things that we should be looking towards God for. See, unless we get together and share openly, I don't fully know if this is the case for you like it is for Solomon, like if obedience and trust is the problem here for us and even for my heart, what's going on inside of me until we actually start talking about it. But I've talked to enough uh, pastors over these last couple of weeks and just meeting with them and, and talking over the phone and get, connecting with, and it seems like this is the pandemic. This is the pandemic within the church that we have forgotten to abide in Christ and trust him with tomorrow. See, obedience for the responsibilities we have been given and trust in God that he will live up to his promises. Again, these are our worries as well. Not just with God, but with our spouse, our kids, our families, our boss at work. Like, I'll do my part as much as I can, but will God do his? Can I trust him with it? See, I want to show you a diagram on the screen. I've ripped this from uh, Paul Tripp's book, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands. We're going to go through this diagram. Actually, we have some uh, all-church-wide training coming September 9th and 10th. So Friday night from about 7 till 9.30 at night, and then 10 or Saturday from 9 to 3. So if you mark that in your calendar, I really appreciate that because I would love to do some training as we walk into this next season as a church and how we can abide in Christ. And this diagram does a great job in this, and it really matches this text. So Solomon's despair is coming outside of him, right? His outer man is responding with, with despair, His inner man is forgetting what this diagram is proclaiming, that we have a responsibility and we can trust God with the things that are outside of us. So that inner circle there, basically if you can't read it, that inner circle is a circle of responsibility that you've been given. Every one of us has it. Every one of us has an inner circle and every one of us has an outer circle of concern. So inner circle of responsibility, outer circle of concern. Every one of us, and God oversees all. So a whole bunch of little bagels all over there, right? Or donuts, whatever your flavor is. So you got an inner circle and an outer circle and God oversees all. So the inner circle is a circle of responsibility, the things that you are given responsibility for to all the love, all the one another's in the scripture, to love one another, to care for one another, to serve one another, to abide in Jesus. These are the inner circle of, of responsibilities that we see in Scripture. And all of us are given this. The problem is the outer circle is the circle of concern. We have things that are in that circle that we have no control over. No control. Right? How people respond to you when you speak to them. You have no control over that. And the crazy thing is, is what's, what's happening here is Solomon is exiting out of his circle of responsibility and trying to oversee the responsibility of this next person that he hands all of his toil to. And he's now out of control. And what happens, just like Solomon and just like you and I, when we enter, exit out of our circle of responsibility, we've essentially expanded that circle of responsibility into the circle that is God's, that we're to entrust him with. 
And what happens is despair, anxiousness, depression, frustration, anger, all kinds of these emotions come out of us, our outer man starts responding because we've actually exited out of our responsibility. And this is what's taking place in our text this morning. Solomon has exited out of his responsibility and is in despair. He thinks he can control something in the future. When in actuality, we have no control over the next minute. Right? Zero. Our responsibility is to love one another, to care for one another, here and now. Not worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow has enough worries of its own. That's God's circle. And we entrust God with that one. So there's three type of people. Well, let me introduce. So those arrows going to the sides there, that essentially is the expanding the circle. That's the overly responsible. That's the firstborn, you know, the hall monitor that's trying to run everybody's life. That's the expanding the circle. And oftentimes we do, all of us do this. So we're expanding the circle of responsibility, entering into a no-go zone, which leads to despair, anger, frustration, et cetera, et cetera. The, cir- the arrow going up is, ex- is li- uh, shrinking that circle of responsibility. That's the irresponsible. That's the person that says, you know what, I'm going to take the responsibility that God has given me, and I'm going to pass it back to God. That's like me having a conversation with p- people and going, hey, would you invite others to, ch- to your home to, to show hospitality to, to one another? And that person responding with, I'll pray about it. Okay? I think the prayer is already answered. Because it says in Romans 12 that we're to show hospitality to one another. This is part of your responsibility. Yeah, I need to pray about it. What you're doing is you're shrinking your circle of responsibility. God has already commanded that in his everlasting word. And he's given that to us as the church to love one another, to show hospitality to one another, and so on and so forth. So the irresponsible is passing back the things back to God. So we got the first person overly responsible, the second person irresponsible, the third person is confused. And this is probably where most of us lie because we go like this. Expand it, close it, expand it, close it, and constantly back and forth. So it's really important to understand what we are responsible for and how we do and understand this is through the word of God. And to help each other, like I've already done, is we go through who's in control, and that is God. So with that diagram in the back of your mind, let's look at two redeeming factors in this text. So the first redeeming factor of our daily toil we are called to toil over is God's work. So now look at this toil, like this toil that God has given Solomon. He's toiling over all these things, but yet he's worrying about something in the entrusted circle of God. And what I'm saying is the redeeming factor of this text is that we start looking at all of our work and go, this is God's work. It's his. And so we start pointing everything towards God's glory. And we start living our lives towards him. And so everything that we put our mind to and our heart to, we go, this is for God's glory. I'm but a servant of his and this is his work. Does that make sense? And so we begin to work for him, whether it's our finances, whether it's our work, whether it's our home, whether it's our rest, whatever we do, we do it for Jesus' glory, right? 
I played a lot of sports. I played high-level uh, basketball, and, and this switched for me when I was 19. So I'm in university. I'm called, like, playing basketball, and this guy comes up to me and goes, Jer, I think you're playing for yourself. And I go, man, you are right. I'm looking for accolation. I'm looking for like, all people's affirmation of who I am, all that kind of stuff. I'm living for that, and I love it because I'm getting it. And he goes, you need to start using your abilities and skills, just like we see in Ecclesiastes, for the glory of God. And so I started, I don't know if you watch much basketball, but you kind of grab your shorts like this and you kind of lean over at the foul line and you look at your toes. And I started writing crosses on the toes of my shoes. And every time I lean over like this, I would see those crosses and I go, that's why I'm playing. I'm playing for Jesus. Whatever ability, whatever skill he's given me, I'm going to do it for Christ. And can you imagine if we did that in our journals? Just a cross. Or on our desk at work? Just a cross. Or in our bank book? Just a cross. Or in our front of our home? Just a little cross. And every time we see that, it reminds us, my toil is for Jesus. My toil is for him. Whatever I do, I want to work for Jesus Christ. This is the redeeming factor of this passage. We see this in Ephesians 2.10 again. We've already read this passage, but I'll read it again. It says, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Or Colossians 3.23, where it says, whatever you do, work heartily, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Can you imagine, church, if we started doing this? Having crosses all over our different areas of influence. Not worrying about tomorrow. Living in the here and the now, going, whatever I do, I'm going to work hard for Jesus. It would be amazing. Let me give you a clear example within the family. So that inner circle, fathers, you're responsible for your children and your wife. You've been given that responsibility as a father. Your kids are a gift. Your wife is a gift. And you're called to serve them. You're called to love them. You're called to care for them. Not worrying about tomorrow, but doing it right now, here in the now. To pour scripture over them. To, to die for them. That they might receive and understand Jesus fully. This is our call as fathers. How they respond, how your kids respond, how your wife responds, that's on her. That's up to her responsibility, how she responds to your love. You have no control over it, zero. But you do have a responsibility to love her and care for her and serve her and die for her. This is our responsibility. So families break down at times when the father tries to control the result rather than just sit in his responsibility. See, that's where families break down. I try to control the result of my wife, of my kids, instead of living in my circle of responsibility, not shirking the responsibility, not over being overly responsible but living in the responsibility that the Lord has given me. This is our task. 
So this is what Solomon is doing in our text. He is fulfilling his work responsibility for, by using his wisdom, his skills, his abilities, but the rub for him is that he cannot control the outcome, so it is leaving him in despair. He has expanded his inner circle, thinking he has control in that area which he recognizes he doesn't, and he is filled with despair. He's filled with it. Now, the way out of this is to entrust God with the outcome. So again, the first redeeming factor in our text, all work is given to us by God, and it is for God's glory that we might partner with him to do it. All work is God's, and we partner with him to do it his work. The second redeeming factor is, settle, is a subtle message of the gospel. Remember I said 20, verse 21 is a, is a really c- cool verse. We need to go back to it. Let's, like, let's take a look at it. Verse 21 again. It says, sometimes a person has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. Friends, do you see the gospel in that message? In Ecclesiastes 2, verse 21, you see the gospel. See, this, for Solomon, it reemphasizes the, the, the circle of concern, the outer circle, that we have no control over these things. See, we can be concerned over what we toil over, but we can leave it to the Lord, for the Lord and his responsibility and how it comes about. Friends, like we have a different preacher king, we have Jesus coming and gathering his people and proclaiming his wisdom, his skill, and his abilities to his church. The preacher king that we have in Jesus Christ is caring for his family. He's living out his responsibility. And the first and last worker is him, is God. He started it. He created before anything was in existence. He sustains it. He redeems it. He reconciles it. He pays it with, with sweat, blood, tears, with his life that we might inherit something we never put any effort into. That we never, we never put any effort into it. And he did it all. See, read that text again. Look at verse 21. Really important. Look at the verse. And I'm going to substitute Jesus into that text. It says this, Jesus toiled with wisdom. Jesus toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill, and he offered everything that he accomplished to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it, you and I. He accomplished it all. See, Jesus lived, died, and rose again so that we might have life in him. So we've got a couple options here. Will you ignore this gift and go back to striving to control the things of this world? Like when we walk out this door, are we going to forget that actually my responsibilities that I've been given by God to do the work for him and for his glory, am I going to forget that and just go back to striving after things of this world? Whether it be money, whether it be like affirmation from other people. And man, I lived in that world for a long time. Looking for others' affirmation. Fearing what they thought of me. Or will you accept this gift, this free gift that Jesus offers you? Put off your old nature and be a proclaimer, a disciple maker, a worshiper, an obedient follower of the one who saved you, living in the inner circle that you have been given. Oh man, I I can dream about that. But the church living in the responsibility they've been given. And that dream has great results. So two problems. 
Your toil will become, belong to someone else. Your toil has no eternal value under the sun. The results of that toil are that you will, leave, you will have a heart of despair, you will be filled with sorrow and unhappiness, and the two redeeming factors are the work you are participating is for God's glory, not yours. And Jesus' work for you is lasting and eternal, completely opposite of this world under the sun. It's all him. So we have two choices then. You can either strive through this life, putting your satisfaction as the end goal of life, doing all you can to control the outcome, and out of you, because you're entering into the outer circle, will be despair, anxiousness, worry, depression, frustration, typically a lot of times angry at God because you're doing all these things for him, right? But you're outside of your circle. Or you can live as a partner in God's work, fulfilling your God-given responsibility and trusting the results to him. Just trust in trusting the results to him. Living out as he's called you to live. And we see this in the scriptures. So let me pray. Let me pray for us as we battle these temptations that face us every single day. Am I going to live in my responsibility that God has given me or am I going to try and live in the circle of concern? Let me pray. Jesus, I thank you so much for your text, this text of scripture. I thank you that you share the gospel in it. <clears throat> I thank you, Lord, that uh, you have uh, reminded me of the things that I so long for. And I long for those things that you were actually entrusted in. They're not really my responsibility. And so, Lord, I pray for this church. I pray for myself in this. I, I, I pray, Lord, that we will hand over the things that we are called to hand over to you. And that's hard. That's handing over our kids' salvation. We have no control over that. That's handing over our life. That's handing over our house. That's handing over our wife or our husband. That's handing over our singleness. That's handing over everything and entrusting you with it. But man, God, you are so trustworthy. You are so trustworthy. And you've proven yourself over and over and over again. 2,000 years ago, coming and dying for the penalty of our sin so that we might have life. So help us, Lord, trust in that. Help us trust in your work that is accomplished. And I thank you for this church. I thank you for the, the body. Uh, and I pray, Lord, that we will live out your word for your glory's sake, not ours. I pray this in your precious name. Amen.